Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, here we go. Hello, ladies, and welcome to this week's Hourly to Exit podcast. I am very happy to introduce you to my guest this week, Girja Patel, who is, I'm going to have her introduce herself to you, but I'm really excited about this episode because guess what we're talking about? Everyone's favorite topic, AI, and Girja has done a lot of research in this area, written a lot about it, spoken to a lot of audiences about it, so I think we'll get a lot out of this episode. So before I go any further, please introduce yourself. Erin, thank you so much for having me in your podcast. This is really special because I feel like we've gone full circles a few times now, and I just love it. I love having these connections and the continuity of the connection as well. I am a lawyer like you, but I am in Houston, Texas, and we are experiencing beautiful 95 degree weather now, finally. (laughs) My business, my legal practice, we are serving small business owners, essentially, which means it could be anybody, quite frankly. And a lot of creative entrepreneurs, I have a lot of tech companies, a lot of people who are creating content all the time. In fact, in today's world, I think everybody is creating content all the time. And so I provide a lot of legal support and strategies in their businesses alongside their journey as an entrepreneur. Fantastic. And how did you become, I mean, I guess AI has been thrust upon us as opposed to us going to it. It has come to us. What were your early, I mean, honestly, it stuck up on me. I knew it was out there, but you know, I'm kind of a Luddite. So I'm like, ah, what do I need to know about it? And then suddenly it was like, bam, it was everywhere and there was no ignoring it. What was your experience with kind of getting into the AI? I felt the same way. Now, I also felt like a little like, oh. That was a real sneak attack from the side a little bit, right? Like, you're just like, where did that come from? Like, what field did that one come from? But I am in the tech space a lot. I go and talk and like, so, you know, there was something brewing, but you just hear a lot of chatter. The ones that really come out of nowhere are the ones that don't talk, but they just throw it out there. And that was chat GPT. And so when that happened, everybody's like, wait a second, we have AI now? We can actually use it. It's at our fingertips because it's been around, right? It's been around since. So I was sitting in another panel and they're like, it's been around since the seventies, if not a little bit longer. It's like the internet was not available to the masses until much later. Mm -hmm. The computer, I remember when I first got my first computer, I was like, my dad brought our first computer in the eighties and that too, he had access just because of the company and the industry that he was working in. But I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Slowly and steadily, tech just creeps up on you all of a sudden. It's been around, it's literally brewing. 
but we're not paying attention because our minds are just not there. So ChatGPT did the same thing. It kind of just snuck up from around the corner and you're like, oh, now AI is accessible to everybody. Meanwhile, we had AI, like our chatbots and our websites or the things that we're using. And those were forms of AI too. We just didn't call it that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the example that you gave of suddenly like, what? I can do that now? Like that literally happened to me. I was just filling out some, you know, continuing legal education credits. And it was like, what about AI? What the heck? Frankly, what happened here too? I'm probably working on something at the same time. And then they must have mentioned ChatGBT and that it's available. I'm like, what? And I'm like, something I was listening. And I went online and it was during that CLE. I'm like, oh my God, what is this thing? It's magic. I couldn't even yeah. believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it is magic. It, it feels too good to be true. And it is. <laughs> Speaking of which, one of the big issues with something like this, when it sneaks up on us, the laws don't move nearly as fast as technology does. And so we once again find ourselves way behind, you know, as we have with social media and other things that have kind of exploded. So let's first back up in case anyone isn't familiar with ChatGBT and the players in the AI space. Can you just give us a brief overview of the types that are not, you know, kind of the super niche ones, but the ones that affect most of us? Yeah. So in general, like AI, artificial intelligence, ChatGPT and other things of the same caliber, what are they doing essentially? They're literally scraping information from whatever codes that have been put into that software. And so the developer has told this particular software, hey, I want you to scrape XYZ information. So that XYZ information is your finite pool of information. It's not infinite. It's not some superhuman power that's creating this information, right? It is definitely sourced from already created information. And whether that is publicly available or whether that is private, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, that information is generally owned by somebody else in the back end. And it's not the company that's providing the AI to you for the most part. And so a lot of the scraping is happening. And we talk about ChatGPT more often than not, because that is the one that is so prevalent and it's free, not paying for it. So everybody has access to it. But guess what? When everyone has access to it, that means everybody's using the same stuff over and over and over and over again. And while ChatGPT has increased its scraping boundaries, I guess you could call it that way, meaning they're going throughout the internet. So there's a lot more stuff that's available. There are other tools out there that have automatically integrated AI into their platforms. Like, so for example, Canva, which is used really vastly by a lot of people in the creative industry, not Dude, everyone uses Canva. It's not a creative thing. It's like everybody who knows Canva is like, oh my gosh, I'm a graphic designer all of a sudden. And they use Canva. So Canva also has a lot of AI capabilities in it too now. I mean, Google the other day just popped up. Hey, do you want to use our AI services? And I'm like, okay, Google, let's do it. And so that's there too. And of course, like within particular industries, like the legal industry, there's a lot of AI software that's popped up now. Within the photography industry, there's a lot of AI software that's popped up that helps with editing or with culling. Every industry has their AI little aspect. And I say every industry very loosely because there are other industries just like the law that's a dinosaur and they are really like slow motion catching up with everything that's happening. And the law in, in that sense, yeah, we have AI tools, but at the same time, the law itself has not reached the whole AI situation. 
And today we're talking about the U.S. law. If you go outside globally, laws are different. Copyright law is different. IP law is different in different countries. I was sitting in a CLE recently and China's copyright does not say per se that content has to work product, you know, whatever you're trying to copyright has to be generated by human. Mm. Meanwhile, in America, that's definitely written, but in, in China, it's not. Although they're not like, okay, all AI is, can be protected, but at the same time, it's not expressly written either. And so it's really interesting to see the nuances of AI and how they're impacting not just the US, but globally also. Well, tell us, what's the difference between Google and I assume reach all corners of the internet from Google? Versus AI. And why are we so much more alarmed by AI than we are by Google? Well, because Google is a search engine and you put in a question or you put in a search and it pops up different links. It pops up information, but it's literally sourcing from other people and you know it. You know the direct link access to. It's not just a general information that they're giving you. And they've used the keywords and based on the keywords that those websites have or the SEO that they've done. There's a lot of algorithms that run behind the scenes and the keywords. And according to those, those things pop up, or they might just be a paid ad, sponsored ad, and they pop up on your list too, right? That's that. That's Google. So it's a search engine. Meanwhile, ChatGPT is not that. Tools like ChatGPT are where you are putting in a question and it auto-generates this paragraph, this research, this thing. But the way it answers to you, it's not giving you any references unless you ask for it. And it's also just providing information in general. Now, so you don't know if it's truthful. You don't know if it's as accurate. You don't know if it's yours to be used anyway. Like, can you use it? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of issues that pop up with that also. But truly, it's just a dump of information. But it just has now the software and the tools behind it. The software is where it can quickly get everything together and generate information. And so it's just really high powered in that Mm -hmm. sense. And it generates information in a smart way where it's providing you like as if you're talking to the computer rather than just a link dump. The fear is that, I mean, basically it takes out, I mean, it's not that it's today, say, you know, a year ago, pre-chat GBT. I could go on Google, ask a question about money, that how to invest for retirement. And I would get a bunch of sites. And then I, as a human, would have to kind of put it together, but I would still be able to use all these other people's work that I found on the internet. And mm-hmm. I could take it and change it just enough that it's not recognizable and not give them attribution, right? I could do all that before. And except that now with AI, it's kind of doing it instantaneously. And so, like, so it just kind of takes the friction out of, I guess, using other people's materials. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing, right? It's just kind of auto dumping for Mm -hmm. you. And then you don't have to even put a brain behind it in the sense your mind. And it's just, you could copy paste. Mm -hmm. And fortunately that's what's been going on. Right. And so a lot of people are like, oh, the fears that naturally occurred, which everyone was like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose our jobs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, Mm -hmm. but ultimately, like you said before, the human touch is there, right? When you first do the Google and you can actually discern, okay, this is good. This is bad. You can actually filter things out using your mind, your wisdom, your experience that ChatGPT does not have. It also doesn't have creativity. It doesn't have that EQ that you have as a human. So therefore it can never replace you. It's also finite, right? Our creativity is not finite unless we make it finite. And I think those are like a lot of the fears that came out is like losing jobs. And yes, 
there's going to be jobs that are going to be replaced by automation. That's a natural given thing. Cars replaced buggies and horse-driven carriages. Dishwashers replaced hand-washing. So things do happen. And when the computer came out, it replaced a lot of writing. When the emails came out, it replaced a lot of handwriting and letters and stuff like that. And it is what it is. But at the same time, you still need the human touch in order to generate some of the output that you need ultimately. So then I truly don't think jobs are going to be taken. I just think more jobs will be created while other jobs might phase out because of automation and the ease, but other jobs will be created simultaneously. Yeah. I mean, the jobs that required some truly creative or artistic element to that won't go away. Now, if you had a job where, let's say your job was writing headlines, I don't know, and it really wasn't that creative. It's 100% possible that that job would go away. Mm-hmm. But those that require the application of expertise and context and all those things, the EQ, all the things you mentioned. Absolutely. You know, I just say like, I can't read the room, right? I can't go no. like, oh, I, I don't like her body language. I better go in another direction now. Things that are uniquely human and require humans' involvement. So speaking of the legal issues and being behind, I know that recently there was, I think it was just at the initial level of a case regarding someone who tried to register a 100% AI artwork and the Mm -hmm. copyright office rejected it. And they say they're going to appeal it, of course, which I imagine they will. But at this time, if you ask the copyright office, which I have recently, where you say like, what will you do with something that's, I start with an outline from AI, but then I write around it. And it was like, well, it depends was the answer that I got. What's going on with that? Where is it going? How do we deal with that? I love it. It depends. (laughs) It's so funny when someone messages me a question, like it depends guys. (laughs) (laughs) You know better than I do about the copyright office, but like with the copyright office, right? You have to disclose how much of it is yours or not. So let's just start with there. Like if you know parts of it are hundred percent created by not you, it doesn't matter if it's AI or not, not you, you got to disclose that anyways. And then the parts that are created hundred percent by AI, disclose that too. Now, what makes up too much or too little, that is still something that they have to figure out, right? What's transformative versus what's just kind of the same, but not really. That's still, they have to figure out. And that's why I think they gave you the, it depends answer, right? right. But I guess like into air on the side of caution and just to be abundantly cautious, I think if you have anything that's 100% generated by AI or something else that is not yours, that obviously you have to disclose so that you can at least get copyright protected for the parts that you created, right? And then if it's something that in your true mind, you know that you are really, it's not yours. It's not your creative mm-hmm. output and it's not 100% your authorship in that sense where you can claim fame to it. Like in your subconscious, you already know that answer. Mm-hmm. So might as well sure. just work towards that way in that sense. I wish I could say, hey, 50% or more, you know, and I know that yeah. it's going to be great. <laughs> but we can't say that because we don't know the answers. But if we just go with the rule of law currently today, then we just kind of look at that and just use that as our guiding light. Then I think that would kind of go with like, is it transformative or is it a derivative work? You know, it's kind of looking at that is how much of the original are we actually putting in to the final? And if it's substantially the original and no one can really tell the difference, then Mm -hmm. hey, you and I both know that's not copyright protected. 
And the other thing is, you know, with respect to things that we register for copyright, as opposed to things that are automatically the things right. we write every day, all the posts, all the newsletters and things like that. I mean, I don't register any of this kind of stuff. The things that you actually want to register on the assumption that these are the things that are really important in your business. These are kind yes. of, you know, your flagship pieces, your courses or your books and things like that. That should not be AI generated, hopefully. That stuff is straight from you and your experience. Can you talk about that for a second? Oh my gosh. A lot of my clients are in the online business space. Okay. I love you all. But come on, you know, you're selling a course and now you're generating those courses on AI tools because that's how people are selling AI these days. Generate this free workshop, generate this, generate this workbook on AI. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're doing, but anybody can get that. I can just do that on myself. Like your prompts have to be correct. This has to be this, that has to be this. But really, I mean, ultimately that's not protection. <laughs> so have you seen all. some of these? I'm curious. Like, what is the content like? Do you, have you seen any yeah. of them? Or? I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm going to get like a thousand ads on my Instagram now, but they'll pop up and say, it's listening. I know my phone's here. I know, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it pops up and say these different educators online and they're like, okay, we're going to teach you how to make a course. Lovely. They're going to give you the guidance on how to make a course. Then you have these software tools out there. You want to create an AI course. We can give you so many different chat GPT prompts on how to create courses for yourself. That's so misleading mm-hmm. on so many different levels. And that's just unless they tell you, hey, listen, we can teach you prompts that can guide you to make topics, that can guide you to create an outline, that can guide you to inspire you. But then truly at the end of the day, you have to take that and make it your own in order to protect it for copyright purposes. That's a whole nother ballgame. You don't know either they're misleading in their advertising or they're just giving you the wrong information on the whole thing itself. I'm finding some of these unethical practices. I find them unethical in my opinion, like, mm. you know, my opinion. When you're unethical in that space, you're also violating a lot of other laws that are out there with regards to like FTC and all these other things. And you just have to be careful. Online marketing needs to really be more careful on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if I've seen some of these that you mentioned, because I know somehow in my IG feed is something about writing books and selling eBooks and for multiple revenue streams. I'm thinking now probably they were going to have some sort of way of using AI to create all these books, I'm guessing. There was a case last year where there are a lot of communities out there, whether you're an author community, on their online communities, author communities, photography communities, so many communities out there, right? Since the whole AI thing has become so popular, some people have created AI communities also where they're sharing a lot of information and that software now, this platform is generating information based on what the community is feeding into it alongside maybe a lot of other things that they're scraping. And so there's this one particular community, I forgot the name of it, but there was this case last year that is graphic novelist. So she's a graphic novelist. That's what she does. She creates comics, right? And so she's part of this graphic novelist AI community. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot her name. Like, I'm so sorry. I forgot all this information. But the funny thing is that it's really comical to me, actually, because I'm just like, what were you thinking? But she creates this entire graphic novel based on AI graphic designing. So she's not even created pictures. Some AI software has created her graphics in her novel. 
I mean, okay, the verbiage is all her probably, yeah. uh-huh. but the graphics, which is predominantly your book itself is right. a graphic yeah. novel, she's created it through AI. And this community also further permits all members to use each other's stuff too, mm-hmm. which essentially she registered for the copyright office. Copyright office actually said, okay, because she also did not disclose right. that it's created by AI. <laughs> and so the copyright office said, okay, but within a month, they also have the right to rescind their copyright registration that they've done. And so they did. They're like, hello, this is totally generated by AI. It's not generated by you at all, like the graphics. So we cannot. Do you know how they found out? I don't actually. I'm not sure how that happened, which is funny because, right? Like a lot of times there's no cross and checking. None of that is happening. So I'm really not sure how that happened. And they rescinded it. And Mm -hmm. now, of course, you know, there's a whole litany of all these other things happening. But it just goes to the point of, first of all, can we... If you're getting into a community or using a software that has AI implementation into it, read the terms and conditions of it. You have to, because you don't know what they're using, the information you're inputting for, right? You might think it's yours, but the minute you give it away, it's not yours anymore. And the minute you said, by the way, everybody in the world can have it, you can't protect that stuff anymore. And so it's undermining the whole process of the copyright registration at that point as well. And so read that terms and conditions, please read it. It's important more than anything. It's important these days than ever before. Also read their privacy policy, because ultimately you're going to be almost responsible for whatever this third party might be doing inadvertently. So you need to read it and make sure it aligns with your business practices and your values also, because it's important. And you just really need to hone into the terms and conditions of these different platforms that you're using. Yeah. Well, that's certainly the reason why law firms have been very slow to use AI because they don't know exactly what will happen. If I put in something about a client, where does that end up? Like ChatGBT does say your content does not enter our database. Although like we know that it stores it somehow because we know that it improves on it with each regeneration. It's combining other sources to make it better. So somehow it's in there somehow, you know, we don't know how exactly, but we know that it's there. And I guess the fact that they have populated their databases with protected materials that they didn't have the authority to use, how do we trust? You're using other people's work product that we don't have permission to use and neither do most of these software companies. I highly doubt it. I mean, if anything, if you're within a community that's a paid community, maybe maybe they've done it. Who knows? We still have to like check the terms and conditions on that Mm -hmm. one. And they may not even have it in the terms and conditions of their website or their membership agreement. That's something you might just have to ask on a side note, because it just may not be relevant to them to share it with you. But that's truly one of the biggest things is inadvertently infringing on someone else's IP rights, because that's definitely a viable scenario. Another thing that we need to really worry about is the efficacy of the information that we're getting. How true is the sourcing? How true is it? Is it hallucinating? Because ChatGPT hallucinates all day long. Yeah, talk about hallucinations for those who have hallucinations. Yeah, it definitely has it, you know? And so you have to be careful that the information that you are now gaining, is it truthful? Is there accuracy in it? I know that there's lawyers in the beginning and the chat groups that come up on Facebook with us. It's like, oh, I use ChatGPT to do research. And uh, I came up with this crazy case that was totally saying what I wanted to say. But then later on, I realized it didn't exist. Right. <laughs> <So>. right. <laughs> <laughs> 
that I had a personal experience where I was working on a contract and it referenced a state law in New York, let's say, and I was going to use it in California. I'm like, well, what? I asked ChatGPT, what would be an equivalent law under California law to the citation for the New York law? And it just made up a law. <laughs> like, okay, I get the answer. Then I plug it in just to see what is this thing? So I can actually read the law. And it's like, it doesn't exist, you know? So no. You you have to double check everything and make sure it's correct. Make sure, because ultimately what's on the line, your credibility is on the line. That's more important to me than all the other risk exposure that I'm getting. That's my personal thing, but like, I don't want my credibility to be on the line. I want it to be where I've done the cross-checking. I've done the three times on my sure situation. <laughs> so. Yeah, and you have to be mindful of the use, right? If you ask ChatGPT, you could probably a lot of people do this, like write 10 social media posts that are just kind of pithy about, some pithy posts about copyright. And they do 10 sentences for you to, you know, that's one thing versus, again, something that's really going to be an evergreen piece or something that you're using to show your expertise or something you're going to be presenting to someone certainly a client deliverable for, you know, don't do that. And so, well, let's talk about the deliverables. And I know I recently had a client who was word she's a speaker and the sponsor took her speech and like made a transcript from it and then stuck it into chat GBT and then create an article out of it and not all out. And she didn't have anything to prevent them from doing that. And so she was, you know, wanted to revise her speaker agreements to make sure that that didn't happen again. And I know that other people are doing some of the things like making sure that deliverables haven't used AI for deliverables. And certainly it's not new to have to give reps and warranties that the deliverables are original, things like that. But how are people handling that in the transactional areas? Yeah, same thing. I didn't even think about going to a presentation and someone taking that. I absolutely include now the whole AI clause (laughs) in every contract. (laughs) And that's the thing, right? While the law hasn't caught up to it, like courts and actual case law or statutory law. But as lawyers, we have to catch up to it a lot quicker. And so we have to include these laws that in clauses that never existed before. And now you're creating clauses that you didn't need to create before. And so that's definitely part of my new contracts that are coming out. Even my old ones, I'll revert back to all my clients and say, hey, listen, do you need this? Is this something that we need to put in back into your contracts that we've already created? Because it's truly a a fear factor, right? Because A lot of people are doing it without, very innocently, actually. There's zero malicious intent on this. It's just an innocent, oh, well, it makes our life easier. It makes work easier. We're more productive. And you're looking at all the positive aspects of using AI, which is fine. But if ultimately you are giving something to your client as a business owner, if you're providing a service or product to your client, that they will in turn convert it into another service and product for their clients, or if they're using for their purposes where they're owning it and they want to use it for their brand or whatever purpose they're wanting to now claim ownership, intellectual property ownership on it, you have to disclose what AI you've used and to what extent you've used it because then that would also directly reflect on ownership for them. I've used AI to do research. I've used AI to create some prompts for your captions or you know whatever, that's fine. But if you're using it for other purposes where... You're using it to create their logo. No, you like you can't do that. Don't do that. And so, <laughs> like that's not a thing. Don't create a tagline. Also, please don't do that. <laughs> Unless it's like really unique. You know, even then, you don't know. 
point is that it needs to be part of your contracts now. And it, like you said, also with the speaker agreements, you have to, and in fact, it should just be part of any agreement where there's usage, right? What does usage look like? Can somebody take something just because they're sponsoring me and convert everything that I'm doing and create a derivative out of it? No, maybe, I don't know. It depends on your relationship with them. But that just kind of goes again to the usage aspect of the intellectual property that you're creating and licensing out to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, I mean, there were shades of this in current agreements in your old, whatever is currently out there. In addition to, you know, the originality requirement or even requiring the client's permission before you incorporate any third-party materials. And we might have a traditional sense like, well, if I'm going to use some open source software or something, then I got to disclose it. Or if I'm using something that I'm sub-licensing to you, I'm going to disclose it. But we also need to be thinking in terms of this AI material is also not yours. I don't know who it is, but it's not yours. And they're by definition, third parts of third party material. It is. And I think a lot of people just don't understand that. It's like the whole misnomer. I go to Google. So because it's public, I can use it. It's fair use. Or it's on Facebook and Facebook should know my legal rights because it's public. It's not Facebook, Google, they're all private companies. They're not a public company. They're not a government company. They can do whatever the heck they want. <laughs> confusing public and public domain. I do think, yeah. It's confusing, yeah, right? A lot, yeah. And so I think it just falls under the real innocent factor and then just lack of knowing, right? Mm-hmm. Ignorance. But ignorance is never a defense. Never, never, never. That is true. For our audience of experts, professional services providers, expertise-based business owners, what are the top, one or two top tips you have for them as they navigate AI in and around their business? This will take some time, but I would do like an audit on how you want to use AI in your business. Meaning, look at what you're doing right now. Look at the ways you could actually streamline some work processes, the SOPs into your business and integrate AI into those spaces where they don't really impact the output necessarily directly, but it's just facilitating and easing your workflow. I've used AI to create emails. Just create this email for me. And and you just want to make sure it sounds like your voice though. So there needs to be an audit and then also an alignment, especially if you have a team of people working for you. You need to make sure that they're all on the same page of how they're working for you, whether they're employee or a contractor, because you don't want your team member using AI without your knowledge and then giving you this amazing stuff. And you're like, wow, what just happened overnight? So there needs to be an understanding of what you have right now and how AI will be integrated into your business. And that needs to be expressed with your team as well. So that way everybody's on board and they know expectations and that notice has been given to them. Also, I would really urge on the factor of transparency with your clients, transparency with how you're doing business, even within the team itself on how with clients also, this is how I use AI. If you use AI, if you don't use AI, that's great. You have to have transparency with your privacy policies also, and then the terms and conditions. And if there's any part of your AI that you're using as a service provider, where you are using AI and you know it's part of the deliverables, that absolutely needs to be part of the transparency. And it might be a part of your business model. That's okay. Your client needs to know that. Yeah, if it's baked into your pricing, the reason this is such a budget-friendly option is because we use some AI-generated materials. It's not all custom-made by human, then that's fine. I mean, there are people who want something at every price point, right? 
but don't pretend that it's bespoke when it's AI. (laughs) I always, as a business owner, I always think it's really important to go back to the value system of your business and the mission of your business. And whenever you're adding something new, whether it's technology or a new business, diversifying, whatever you're doing, does it align with your mission? Does it align with the values that you have? And then move forward with that. And then make sure you are creating transparency amongst your team and your clients on how you're using or what the plan is. And to be clear, like I'm not demonizing AI or the usage of AI, because it is, you know, technology is, but it is, yeah, about the alignment with how you're presenting yourself and your services and your deliverables and what the contract requires, of course, as well. AI is here to stay. It's going to come in many different forms and fashions. ChatGPT was just literally the one first robust version that we're all having access to. There's going to be a lot more stuff coming out. I mean, even with virtual reality and wearing those goggles and Google's, Apple's coming out with something new now with the virtual realities. So cool. (laughs) But there's a lot going on, right? There's a lot that can also change the face of businesses too, because everything can become a business thing. And nothing is wrong. It's just making sure that you are using in a way that is ethical, that is not getting into other people's rights or violating someone else's space or privacy or those aspects also. Yeah. And violating other people's rights is a little bit tricky simply because we don't know what the source of the AI generated content is. So just Mm -hmm. taking it as a starting point and then putting your own original spin. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it doesn't tell you. It's not like Google where it's sourcing it. And even then, when you go into someone else's website, you don't know where they're sourcing from either. That's right. (laughs) That is so true. There's only so many ideas in the world, right? And I think. I know. I miss the encyclopedias. I miss encyclopedias. (laughs) (laughs) Some reason that came up the other day. I wish I could remember the context, but I was thinking, I mean, you know, like many of our parents had those massive linear feet of encyclopedias in our houses growing up. So, yes. One of those encyclopedias at that time were literally is a non-refutable source of authority. Like you just, you're like, you knew it's coming from the right space. Wikipedia is not that. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's helpful. I like, you know, I like it for my pop pop culture purposes. It's really good. It's really cool. But Wikipedia ultimately can be from my understanding, it can be just done by, I could put up something on my hey, Well, I think you do have to have some qualifications to post. Yeah. I don't think anyone can post on anyone's, but you're right. It's not. All right. So thank you for that. So <laughs> as we know, this is a very meta podcast for female founders of expertise-based businesses who are building them to scale and hopefully sell someday. And so... You, as the female founder of an expertise-based business, do you have any plans to perhaps scale your business someday or what your next step may be? Yeah, scaling is definitely part of the plan of action right now. So I have a subscription legal services that I offer. And my goal is to get that into every, like all 50 states because I want it to be available and it's not going to be not legal Zoom, but it's definitely legal services that are available for all 50 states. So that is the plan of action that I'm working towards. And that's on the legal side. And I have started an educational platform as well for younger kids. And I'm hoping to spread that also. Tell me about that. It's called Junior Pitch Deck. And it is essentially like a shark tank, but for middle schoolers. 
And cool. it's a program where it teaches them the foundation of building a business. So every class you're learning something about either finance or marketing or business planning, ideating and all that stuff. And ultimately you're creating a pitch deck, which will follow up with a pitch competition at the end. My goal with this project is really a passion project of mine that I'm working on, but I'm looking to spread it into all schools globally. And that is because I want to spark hope in kids. I want to break cycles of not enough or the cycles of I can't do it or you weren't made for this or you got the short end, like all that negative stuff. I just want to break those cycles and tell kids that just because you're given this space doesn't mean this is where you belong only. And so why don't we look into ourselves, find our gifts, find the things that have been given to us naturally and make them better and create something out of it and serve others. That's fantastic. I love that. Is yeah, that publicly available? Is there a website for that? I'm building a website out right now. It's something that I've, this is my fourth semester teaching at one of the schools here in Houston. And I love it. It is so fun. Kids are brilliant. Middle schoolers are brilliant. They're absolutely prepared to learn about a balance sheet and all things about marketing. And they can share also. They can effectively communicate about their businesses and brilliant ideas are coming out of these kids. So no, there's no website yet. So once I get that, I'll let you know. (laughs) I know people will be very interested in that. That's really the building process of this. I am in the building process of this. (laughs) It's definitely a passion project, but truly, I really firmly believe on having a value system in companies and businesses. And so the first pillar of this entire thing is hope, because I want to give hope to kids. I don't want them to be just stuck in the mud and think that this is where we need to be only. That is fantastic. Well, typically I ask my guests, you know, about an organization or person who helps build a more equitable economy. But I think you just explained one. I think that's fantastic. (laughs) I know it's for profit. I hope it's for profit, but as opposed to a nonprofit, but still it's something that for people to, to get the word out, for people to get interested and look for more information about it. So when you well, have, yeah, I'd love to be able to share that when you have more details about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to get more collaborations done with companies so kids can actually get exposure to mentors and people that are outside of their normal circle you never know when you can spark that hope in some child and give them that vision that they never thought they would get before. So we didn't even talk about this. I was talking about a whole nother project called Magic Bus, which is also amazing. <laughs> but <laughs> That's not even mine. That's somebody else's. But <laughs> well, where can people yeah, find just... you? So people who are interested to find out more and find out more about both your legal practice and this fantastic project you're working on. Yeah, I'm on Instagram all the time at GBP Law, as it says right there. And I'm on Facebook. You can email me, GBP at GBPLaw.com. I'll say hello to you there too. But yeah, I'm available and LinkedIn also, same thing. Well, it was wonderful to have you. Great conversation. And thanks again for joining us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. 
I'm here to support your journey.